Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right. Well, Merry Christmas. I'm so glad you've joined us for Christmas at Connection Point. I want to give a special welcome to everyone over at Avon, everyone joining us from Fishers, and any of you here in Brownsburg who may be in one of our overflow venues, as well as our online audience. You're all a part of what we get to do. And uh, if you're familiar with the Christmas story, it was pretty cute, pretty funny to see those kiddos. Really, they got most of it right. But what we're going to do in our time together today is actually go through the, the real characters of the Christmas story. I don't want to take for granted that you know who these people are or that you know that this is actual history. Did you know that on our calendar, the year, if you go back to year zero, that is about the year when Jesus was born. And of course, years before that are known as BC or BCE, BC standing for before Christ. So let's start with the main character. The centerpiece of any manger scene is the manger, and that is Jesus. Who is Jesus? Well, Matthew 1 verse 21 tells us this, that she, Mary, will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. Why should this be his name? Well, because of what it meant. And the meaning was all about this. He will forgive people. He will save people from their sins. The message of Christmas is a message of God coming to earth, the creator stooping down into his creation. It's almost like the author of a story writing himself into the story. This Savior, Jesus, he's like a spiritual superhero of sorts. He came to give eternal life. He came to open a passageway, the only way into eternity for you to have life with God in heaven. I want to ask you a question. When we gather with a group this size, uh, some are believers and are just like, I'm having a blast celebrating that Jesus is God. He is the Christ, the Messiah of Christmas. Others of you, maybe you're here and you're still deciding, what do I believe? Here's a question I want to ask for all of us together. If it were true, if Jesus is God, and if you were to place your faith in him, if he could give you eternal life, forgive every mistake you've ever made, heal you from shame, from regret, where in your life would you want him to work? If it were true, where would you wave a magic wand and say, well, if this Jesus stuff is true, I would apply it here? Would you want it maybe for your inner peace? Would you want it maybe for a relationship that's broken and a belief that, well, if he's God, he could fix that relationship? Maybe you have a broken family. Maybe you have a broken body. And the thought of, wow, if he's really the great physician, if he's the healer, I would, I would invite him into my sickness. Maybe uh, for your family, this is a Christmas where there's an empty chair at the table. Uh, that's been the fact for my family. Ever since I was a little boy, when I was seven years old, my grandfather passed away on Christmas Eve. And so for our family, every Christmas since then, 
it's been a little bit different. Christmas is the story of God offering joy and peace to those who will seek him and receive it. It's really about the resolution of conflict. But before we get too deep or too serious, I want to just take a little survey. I want to ask you a question. So raise your hand if this is true of you. It's true of me. At Christmas time, do you have any favorite movies that you love to watch? Let's just see it around the room, a raise of hands. Yes, I do too. In fact, knowing we've got people of all ages in the room, I'd love for you guys to participate. And my first question is this, would you want to know some of my favorite Christmas movies? You would. Okay, I'm going to give the first one, and I, you can do a brief cheer if you like this movie as well. Okay, probably my favorite Christmas movie of all time is Elf. Elf with Will Ferrell, this movie, if you haven't seen it, it's just hilarious. Now, let me uh, let you in on something I've noticed about all my favorite Christmas movies, and maybe this is true of yours as well. Every great Christmas movie starts with a problem of some sort, and the main character has to go on some adventure because they're searching for something that they don't have. Now, in the case of Elf, he's searching for his dad, and really, he's searching for his identity. Here's another one of my favorite Christmas movies. Give a, a brief cheer if you love this one. Home Alone with our favorite Kevin. It's the story of a family searching for their lost son, Kevin. <laughs> and it's full of great moments of humor. And uh, I know for many of us, it's a favorite Christmas movie. Here's one from a different generation, a different era. This is one of my favorites uh, give a shout out or a raise of your hand if you love the movie about it snowing on Christmas to make a white Christmas. I grew up watching this, and once again, it's really about a search. People who are searching for love, people who are searching for honor, and people who are searching for snow and a magical Christmas experience. Well, I'll just do one more. This one's maybe not as well known. It came out recently recently. But if you've seen this and you love it, give me a shout or a raise of the hand for Christmas Chronicles. Have you seen Christmas Chronicles? It's on Netflix. Highly recommend. One of my kids' favorite movies, and I love watching it with them. It's about a brother and a sister who've lost their dad. And they're going on a search to really figure out how do we enjoy Christmas without our dad. In fact, this movie's so powerful, I wanted to just show you one scene from the movie. Go ahead and take a look. Okay. See you guys tomorrow bright and early. I love you. I love you too. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I'm gonna go to my room. But it's Christmas Eve. Let's do something together. Come on, teddy bear. I told you to stop calling me that. You used to laugh when I called you Teddy Bear, and I was your kitty cat. But ever since Dad died, I mean, all you want to do is hang out with your wannabe gangster friends. You know, at least they're fun. They're not boring slugs like you. Christmas present. No, we have way too much to do. This looks like a 
such a tender moment. Uh, by the way, for all the younger people in the room, that device that the girl's holding is called a video camera. And before we had our phones, that's what we took all of our videos on. I, I don't know about you, for me, that moment, it's an incredibly emotional moment because it sort of cuts to the emotion of when we're searching for something we don't have. I wonder right now if, if your life was a movie and if you were the main character what is it that you're searching for this Christmas? Maybe you're searching and maybe it's such a tender topic emotionally that you wouldn't even say it out loud. I want to encourage you wherever there's an unmet need in your life that God sees you right now. In fact, I believe God brought you into this moment because he wants to speak to you and he wants you to know that he cares about you. You know, in every one of these great stories, the main character, they get their problem solved in the end, but it's an adventure, it's a journey. And I just wonder this, if God was willing to take you on a journey that would ultimately culminate or end in your search being fulfilled, your need being met, would you go with God on that journey? Or I wonder, in your search, in your life, have you considered God as someone who could guide you to that place? I think that's part of the answer to this question, and it's what I want to spend our time thinking about. How do we get a Christmas miracle in our real lives? I mean, we watch these cute movies, and within about two hours, the problem gets solved, but in our lives... Sometimes it takes two months or two years or two decades, and some problems feel like they'll never be solved. Well, maybe you're thinking, John, that sounds cute. It's great for movies, but I don't think it could work in real life. I'm going to show you in our time today how God does do this. And he does this in the Christmas story. He also is doing it right now in the lives of real people. So let's go back to the Christmas story. Let's look at these main characters in the story. And let's start back at Matthew 2, verse 1, where we were before. It says that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, real city, by the way, over in Israel, real place that you can visit, during the reign of King Herod. Now, here's what's interesting. I've never seen King Herod at one of these manger scenes. I've never seen King Herod at a nativity. So if, if this includes the main characters of the story, why is he not there worshiping the newborn Messiah? Well, here's the answer why. First, you need to know this is a real king. He's historically documented. In fact, here's an ancient inscription of him. He began his rule. He was not Jewish, but the Jewish or Israeli people were under Roman rule in their homeland there of Israel. This was 2,000 years ago. And under Roman rule, they didn't have freedom. They were kind of like under house arrest as a nation. So Herod, he was an evil ruler. He was all about himself. And he had started his rule about 37 years before Jesus was born. So when he hears as this violent, evil, selfish guy that a new king is coming to the Jews, he doesn't like the idea. In fact, look how evil Herod is in Matthew 2, verse 13. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph, 
So Mary's husband at this point, the human father of Jesus, in a dream and says, get up. Herod is going to search for the child, for the newborn Messiah. Why? To kill him. Herod was more interested in protecting his comfort than in considering if this could be God. He hears God is among us. A Messiah is among us, but he's not even interested to consider that. And you know, that still can be true today of people. Herod teaches us that God can be right next to you and you'll miss him if you don't want God to interrupt your busy life. That's a scary thought. Or put another way, your heart may be the barrier between you and God, not God's absence. There was a time in my life when I thought God wasn't there, God doesn't exist, but I learned that the barrier wasn't the absence of God. The barrier was my own heart. We also learned this from Herod, that God rarely forces his better way of life onto the hard-hearted. Herod was hard-hearted. He wanted nothing to do with God, nothing to do with the Messiah. It was just an inconvenience to him. And here's really from Herod, we learn in the Christmas story, here's what not to do. Don't do this. You can shut God out. And while God will keep pursuing you, if you keep shutting him out, the book of Revelation talks about him knocking at the door. You keep saying, no, no, I don't want you, God. You say that over and over again, he might eventually just leave you alone. And that's the worst thing that could ever happen to any of us in this life or in all of eternity. He's the source of joy, of life, of light, of pleasure, of wonder, of relationship. And if you tell God to truly leave you alone, you're going to be without all those things. Here we are 2,000 years later, and Herod, who would die a few years after Jesus was born, now the only time anyone ever talks about this Herod is in this story. Let's look now for some more positive examples of what to do if you want to experience God in a way that changes your life now and gives you the assurance of eternal life in heaven. Matthew 2, verse 1, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. Now, about that time, some wise men from eastern lands, so these are not Jewish people, and this is a big deal because the Jewish nation, the Israeli nation, they knew that a Messiah was coming for them. But we're going to see this Messiah is for every ethnicity, for every race, for every tribe, for every language. These guys traveled the distance from Nashville, Tennessee to here on foot and on the back of animals, perhaps camels and donkeys, and they were seeking God. These were spiritual seekers. As they journeyed, they met Jewish people as they saw the stars leading them into Jewish territory. They start to read the ancient Jewish prophecies about a Messiah. And they learn that God is going to come to earth to solve the problems of humanity. So in Matthew 2 verse 2, when they get to this area, they ask, where is this newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose. And we have come not to admire him, but to worship him. Here's what we learned from the wise men. They were so interested in God that they journeyed toward him. 
Their interest in God began in their heart, but it ultimately expressed itself in their feet and in their schedule. And you can do the same today. You can journey toward God and get this. This is so important for you to know. You can journey toward God even while you still have some unanswered questions. As the wise men learned about this Messiah and these prophecies, there were more unanswered questions than there were answers, but there were enough answers to keep them going on their journey. And isn't this also the case in every great movie, every great story? The main character learns a little more, but there's always some unknown. There's always some mystery. And I, I don't want you to be deceived into thinking if there's any mystery between you and God, then he's not believable. Believe what is believable and keep journeying toward him. Matthew 2 verse 9, the wise men went their way and the star that they had seen in the east, it guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and this star stops over the place where Mary, the mother of Jesus, and this baby, the Messiah, and Joseph are. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Have you ever heard that old Christmas song, Joy to the World, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king? Can I tell you something? If you are missing joy in your life, joy results when you seek God. If you'll seek God with your heart, if you'll seek him with your feet, with your schedule, joy will result. Verse 11, they entered the house. They saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Joy results when you worship Jesus as God. When you call out to him to help you with your problems and simultaneously you say, Jesus, you are God. I submit to you. I need your help. Verse 11, they opened their treasure chests. This was before dollar bills or any kind of cash currency. And they're traveling with very valuable commodities, gold and silver and all the valuable um, spices and oils of the day. And so they open these treasure chests and they give these three very valuable gifts, probably worth more than a year's salary of a worker, each of these gifts was gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, if you're here and you're excited to open some Christmas presents, you should know that this is where Christmas presents began. They began on the very first Christmas and they've continued. Of course, the greatest gift of all for you to receive is Jesus himself. But this tradition of giving gifts, it started with these wise men. It continued on. You know the name for Santa Claus, Saint Nicholas? I won't give you a whole history tour today, but around the third century, there was a Christian man named Nicholas who gave gifts to poor people, and he became a saint from the church. Saint Nicholas was a real person in history. Okay, how do we get that Christmas miracle that we were talking about earlier? Then maybe you're thinking, John, this sounds just too good to be true. Well, here's a principle that we learn. God reveals himself to those who seek him. If you want to see God work in that area where earlier we waved a magic wand, you want to see him work in your health or your family, your finances, your inner peace, your relationships, seek him. God rewards those who seek him, we're told in the book of Hebrews. Elsewhere, scripture tells us that if you seek me, this is a promise from God. He says, if you seek me, 
you will find me if you search with all of your heart. It's about the heart. It's about the feet. Here's a question. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much would you say you've been searching for God lately? If 10 is like the max and 1 is really not at all. Would you say it's been a 2 or a 3, a 6 or a 7? The more you search for God, the more you're going to experience God. You could answer that question on a 1 to 10, how much have you been searching for God with your heart? And on a 1 to 10, how much have you been searching for him with your feet? By the way, you're doing that right now. The fact that you're in this moment, you're in our Christmas service, tells me you are searching for God. Keep searching for him. Well, let's look back at the full nativity. We're told in Luke 2, verse 8, that on the night God came to earth in the person of Jesus, born there in Bethlehem, that night there were shepherds. Now, these are men who worked out in the fields guarding their flocks of sheep. And it's nighttime, and they're out there. Verse 9, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. Verse 10, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. Have you ever heard the word gospel? That's the word underneath this, the ancient Greek word, euangelion. It's where we get the name evangeline. That's my youngest daughter's name. And it means good news. Jesus brings good news for you. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world. The world was already messed up. He came to save the world. And this good news for those who seek him and receive it, it always brings great joy. And the heart of God is that this offer of free salvation, free restoration, it's for all people. And most importantly for you, all people includes you. It's good news for all people. Verse 11, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, or another word for Messiah is Christ. So the word Christmas is messiah miss. It's the holiday that celebrates the coming of the Christ or the Messiah. The Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. The shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And I just love verse 16. They hurried. They hurried to the village. And they find Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. This is the classic nativity scene moment. But do you notice these shepherds, when God appeared to them through a messenger, they didn't just stay out in the darkness. They didn't say, oh, well, we can't leave the sheep. They moved their feet. And this is part of how you experience God in your life. It's action. There's really a theme in the Christmas story. The more you move toward God, the more you see him work. The more joy you have, the more miracles you witness. Back when the angels described in verse 12, they said, you will recognize the Messiah, the Savior, the creator of the universe who spoke planets into existence. Here's how he chose to come into our world as a vulnerable little baby. Not wrapped in, you know, designer clothes and a really nice crib, but in strips of cloth, scrap cloth. And you're going to find him placed in a feeding trough. That's what a manger was. When you see a manger scene and you see that hay around the baby, this was actually a, a working farm feeding trough. 
for mules, cows, and sheep. And here is the one savior, the one creator of the world, coming into our world to fix what we've broken. And he so humbles himself, not just to be born to a a blue-collar family that can't find a hotel room, but actually to be placed as a newborn into a feeding trough in scrap cloths. And I just want to pause here to note that this is the extent to which your creator was willing to go to reach you. This is how much God loves you. He's willing to be uncomfortable to reach you. He's willing to go through great separation and loss of his own comfort to reach you. Reminds me of a a true story. In 1997, this little boy who you see on the screen was tragically kidnapped. He was two years old. He was playing near the front yard of his home in China. The home had a, a front gate, and he got on the outside of the gate, and his mom, I mean, this happened in just a few moments that she wasn't looking. Someone snatched him up. You know, China at the time, it's, it's a communist country. And China had a policy that if you're a husband and a wife, you can only have one child. Well, Chinese culture, which is not Christian culture, desires boys more than girls. And so around this time, around 1997, it was very common that little boys would, would get kidnapped or abducted because there was uh, a whole underground market where these children would be sold to families that weren't their families after they were abducted. You can imagine for the mom and dad of this little boy how devastated and how heartbroken they were. Can you just imagine being that mom and walking out? Your little boy's nowhere. You start running around. You're talking to the neighbors. You get everyone looking. In fact, this family, they worked with the police. The the very day of the disappearance, they got 500 people combing the area, looking around. No one could find this little boy. And the days turned to weeks, and the weeks turned to months. And while many parents might think it best to leave the searching to the professional, this little boy's dad, he made it his mission to bring his son home no matter how long it took. After a few months, the police and the authorities, they said, hey, if we haven't found him by now, it's pretty much a hopeless case. And we have so many other things we have to do. Sorry, there's nothing else that we can do. Well, this heartbroken father, he just refused to accept that. And it's a true story. He actually quit his job. He hopped on his motorcycle, and he began this tireless journey that spanned 24 years, traveled 310,000 miles. He'd sleep under bridges. He'd beg for money. He'd chase down tips of kidnappers and child traffickers. And everywhere he went, this is an actual picture, he had this flag made. He went through a bunch of these. It's a picture of his son, and he always drove around with that banner tied to the back of his motorcycle. He refused to give up as he goes through multiple motorcycles that wear out. Years pass by, and those Chinese characters to the right of that little boy, do you know what they say? Son, where are you? Dad is looking for you to come home. Son, where are you? Dad is looking for you to come home. 
I wonder who right now, when you hear that story, there's some nudge in your heart in a supernatural way that your Father in heaven is letting you know your Father's looking for you, daughter. He's ready for you to come home. Over the years, this dad wore out 10 motorcycles traveling all over China, chasing down any tidbit of information. Once on a rainy day, a rock slipped off of a dump truck in front of him, sent his motorcycle toppling. He had so many near-miss traffic incidents that he lost count, but he always set out again. He was interviewed by a TV crew after he'd been doing this for years. And they said, why don't you give up? You know, your, your kid's probably an adult at this point. And he said, if I'm at home, the kidnapper is not going to just deliver him back to me. And for 24 years, he kept searching. Then in 2021, after all those decades of heartache and searching, the dad found his son. In fact, a DNA test was performed to confirm the identity. And this dad and his wife, they hugged their now 26-year-old son with tears in all their eyes. And shortly after this moment, his story was so well-known in China that reporters were there for this reunion. Here's what he said. Our child has been found. From now on, there's only happiness left. Can you imagine the emotion? Did you know that this is the heart of God for you and this is what Christmas is all about? That he sees the struggle in your life, he sees the searching, he sees the pain. He sees future pain that you don't even know about, death which awaits all of us because sin has broken our bodies. And he came into our world in the person of Jesus because he was so relentless in his pursuit of you. You know, imagine if this 26-year-old son, on the day that his dad reaches out and says, hey, this might be a lot to process, but I think I'm your dad. What if he had said, nah, I'm not really interested. I don't really, I, I don't think you are, and I don't really want to meet whoever you say my mom is. Do you realize God's been searching and seeking for you your entire life? In fact, Jesus, who was God in human form when he grew up to be a man before he went to the cross to die for our sins, he told a story to express the heart of God. It's recorded in Luke chapter 15. And the whole point of the story is a lost son and a father who would do anything to welcome his son home and to forgive his sins and to cover his shame. You see, God has been seeking you. In fact, in his oversight of all humanity, even though Satan is in this world and there's sin, he not only came 2,000 years ago, but he ordained that Christmas would be the biggest holiday in all of human history, celebrated unending for 2,000 years and celebrated by the vast majority of the world so that you have this annual reminder every time you see Christmas lights and you see a star above a house and you see a manger scene, that there is a God who made you, and that he does love you, and that he is seeking you. And my question is this, have you responded to him? How do you respond to God? There's really two ways. The first is for salvation, the forgiveness of your sins. 
And when I wrap up, I will lead you through a prayer that you can leave here today knowing that your sins are forgiven. Second way you respond is by following Jesus' way of life. And I want to suggest to you that the Christmas miracles you seek in this life, that's how they happen, is when you start to follow Jesus as a way of life. In fact, I want to show you the story of a mom who chose to follow Jesus as a way of life and how it brought about some real-life Christmas miracles. Take a look. I grew up with my single mom and my brother in Nashville, Tennessee. And we grew up with a really safe, loving, and meaningful childhood. But when I look back, I know that we were actually probably living below the poverty level. I do have fond memories of a church family that invited us over to their home on Christmas Eve. We ended up spending the night with them and woke up the next morning to experience Christmas with their bigger family and open the presents they bought for us. So when I think back to my childhood memories of Christmas, I really don't remember the gifts, but I remember spending time with people who loved us really well. We were blessed to have a loving and sacrificial mom who loved the Lord with all her heart. She prioritized attending church for our family and our church community continually showed up for us, providing anything we needed along the way. When we spent time with these families from our church, we saw the godly men taking care of their families. And somewhere deep within my heart, I desired a godly man to be our earthly father. So my brother and I would pray for dad every night. <laughs> we pray God for a dad. We pray that he's big and strong. We pray for mommy to have a husband. You prayed for what? We even had a time where we didn't have lunch boxes to start the first day of school the next morning. And I remember during our bedtime prayers asking God to provide those lunch boxes. And later that evening, friends from church delivered those new lunch boxes. We just knew at a very young age that we could take our needs to God and He would provide what we needed. So we continued to pray for a dad. We spent a lot of time with families in our church community during this season of our lives. My brother and I loved playing with those friends. We'd climb trees, we'd run around the yards, and sometimes get into trouble. <laughs> our church family was our family, and they loved us really well. My mom never complained, but I always remember sensing the need for an earthly father in my life. My mom dated here and there, but she wasn't really looking. Somewhere between the busyness of life and my brother and I asking her dates to be our dad, it probably was hard to make it work. She also just had high standards. She wanted a man God had designed specifically for her. And that's when she met him. She started dating a man who had recently moved to the area for a job and was a member of our church. I remember praying Tim would be our dad. He was calm, he loved our mom well, and he was sweet, patient, and gentle. He just found a way to make my brother and I feel really special. He was everything we wanted in an earthly father, like we had seen in the other men in our church family. When mom and Tim announced to us that they were engaged on the front porch of our home, we started screaming and running around the front yard. We knocked on the doors of our neighbors, 
and brought them outside, our God had delivered us our dad and we wanted everybody to know. My mom calls him her Jesus in blue jeans because he's protective, encouraging, and sensitive, but he's also really strong. He lives his life as a reflection of who Jesus is, but he doesn't wear a robe and flip-flops. I remember that first Christmas with my dad. We went to our new grandparents' house. We had a silly tradition of drinking tangerine juice on the landing of the steps and waiting to be told it was time to come around the corner into the family room to see our gifts. I've never liked tangerine juice. I do not like the pulp, <laughs> but it was fun to have new family traditions. I remember feeling at home and loved by my new dad. I felt accepted in a way I had never felt before. I don't actually remember what gifts I received that first Christmas. I think maybe there was a baby doll under the tree, but I do remember feeling that I belonged. It can be hard to see Jesus providing when you're in a time of need. My family could see Jesus providing through our church, but we always still longed for a dad during that time. I can see now that while we always wanted a dad, that our unmet expectations weren't being ignored. They weren't even unmet. They were just in the midst of being met. To have our prayers answered for my dad has been huge. To see why my mom prioritized church and to continually see the church deliver for us has really formed my heart for being a part of a church community. Since God gave us this incredible gift, my dad has always been there for me. Oh, don't tell me that God doesn't still do Christmas miracles. He heard the prayers of a little girl for a lunchbox. And even more significant, he heard the prayers of a little girl for a dad. The prayers of a single mom for a husband. The same God is eager to work in your life today. And just like those Christmas movies that we all love, it's not always instant solution. Not always instant, here's what you are searching for, but I'm telling you that in Christ, you'll find everything you're searching for. And then as you commit to his new way of life, it'll lead you to relationships and opportunities that you wouldn't otherwise experience. Did you catch that in that story? That mom met that husband who was an answer to prayer because she was in church every Sunday. It's something I don't want us to miss in the Christmas story that you know, coming to church, being in this building, it's not what saves you. Faith in Jesus to forgive your sins is what saves you. However, after you've received Jesus, being in a church that's all about him, well, that puts you in the place where God can best heal you and rebuild your life. It puts you in a position where you can start to see him show up in the tangible areas of your life. And I wanna encourage you this Christmas, Yes, believe in Jesus to forgive your sins. And then, don't wait for heaven to begin experiencing the miracles that he wants to do in your life. Be like that mom and say, I know who I am in God, and I'm going to seek him, and I'm going to live for him. I'm going to trust him to meet my needs. So, three takeaways 
as we wrap up our study of the Christmas story. The first is this, have you received God's gift of salvation? I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do that in just a moment. Second, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, have you committed to be consistent in a Jesus-centered Bible teaching church? Doesn't have to be this one, but it needs to be a church that's all about the Bible and Jesus. If you wanna see him start to do miracles, in your life and transform you. And this can take months, it can take years. You be faithful to it and you will see him work. Third, if you're a believer and especially if you call Connection Point your home church, maybe your application is to be like those wise men, open your treasure chests and give a worship offering of something significant to God. I'll work through these from the bottom up. For those here at Connection Point, every year we pray about our Christmas offering We always try to do something special, and this year we decided that we want to identify some single moms, like the mom in that story, here within our church family. And the first $20,000 of our Christmas offering, every penny of it is going to go to help those hand-picked single moms who are living like the mom in that story. In Jen's story, God used the people of the church in a truly beautiful way And in the same way, we believe that this Christmas offering, it's going to make an impact in the lives of some single moms and their kids here at Connection Point. Uh, Secondly, if you really want to see God change your story, I mentioned it, just commit. We're about to have a new year and just say, hey, 2024, it's going to be a year where unless I'm sick or out of town, I'm in church every weekend. We also have a Thursday night service and I'm gonna get to know people, I'm gonna be involved like the mom in that story was. Just make that commitment. And then number one, the most important, I'm gonna ask you right now if you'd bow your head, if you'd close your eyes. Gonna have a moment of just you and God, and I wanna ask you this question, have you invited Christ into your life? If you haven't, I wanna give you that opportunity right now with every head bowed, all the eyes closed, I'm not going to ask you to stand or come to the front. But I do want to know this. If you'd like me to pray for you, then I'm going to ask you to look up at me and raise your hand if you're here in the room. Just look up and raise your hand if you're here. See some of you. If you're at another location, you can just put your hand up and then put it back down. I'm going to pray a prayer out loud. And if you really mean business, that you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I'd encourage you to silently pray this prayer to God. You can even pray it out loud if you, if you want to. Dear Jesus, I invite you to be the leader of my life. I acknowledge that you're God. I believe you died on the cross for me and rose from the dead. Jesus, I ask you to forgive my sins. I want to live for you. Be the Lord of my life. Fill me with your spirit and empower me to walk your new way of life. God, I want to thank you for all those who asked you to be the leader of their lives. Amen. Hey, everyone can open their eyes. And as I'm about to hand off to all of our location pastors, can we just celebrate together all of those who have prayed to receive Christ as their Savior this Christmas? Well, if you prayed... 
Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us and please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.